Hey everyone, and welcome to another exciting episode of Battle of the Atom. This is your weekly podcast where we rank every story from A to Z. It's about X-Men, I'm sorry. It's an X-Men podcast where we rank every X-Men story from A to Z. I'm Adam, and... And uh, I'm Zach. Did you not say the X-Men part? I didn't, I didn't. No what shame people in that don't, game. What people don't know is that it's actually been a spell since we've recorded. Uh... <laughs> And we're getting back into the swing of it. I want to thank everyone for following my explicit instructions and not coming uh, to my booth and shaking hands and saying hi to me at uh, AHR Expo. Uh, Really, uh, really happy about that. Glad everyone followed instructions. I know everyone was there. Uh, All of you (laughs) really follow the uh, air conditioning, heating, and refrigeration world very closely. (laughs) You keep this up. People are going to find you at these things, and you're they gonna be like, "No, please won't. go, go away." Um, but we are not here to talk about uh, ductwork and uh, fans or any of the uh, the wonderful worlds of, of HVAC. Um, but we are going to talk about everybody's favorite member of the X Men, Galactus. You're talking about Gallon of Ta, right? Gallon of Ta, the giant... The last survivor of the six cosmos? I'm just learning about this, but yes. Yeah, I got to explain uh, the sixth cosmos to Adam. Uh, If you guys don't know about the sixth cosmos, well, then you're uh, you're, uh, two cosmos behind where you need to be, because we're on the eighth cosmos right now. I had no idea that that before Secret Wars was the seventh, and now we're in the eighth. Uh, That's... that's exciting okay so i've given you all of that yes. i'm gonna give you one more thing adam Ooh, people we have we've been talking about uh the many marvel cosmos and if you are not uh, familiar with them please go read al ewing's ultimates and ultimates 2 or ultimate mm-hmm. squared if you would and then go read his defenders that rules um it'll be relevant i promise galactus is a character in ultimates and ultimates 2 and uh a galactus relative who we'll talk about his hot mom <laughs> Taya of Ta, she's in Defender. She's the main character. Right, right. Um, no, okay, so I so, so eight. So eight. The eighth cosmos. Yes. The eighth cosmos came because uh or at least we figured out it was the eighth cosmos because they found a very specific isotope in uh in in the eighth cosmos, uh called ISO eight, which if <laughs> if if you Indulgent properties outside of Marvel comic books, you will know is uh the pay-to-win currency of all Marvel mobile games. <laughs> so Al just, Ewing, just genius, <laughs> concurrent with writing the Ch- contest of champions mobile game tie-in, which also rules. I don't. That does rule in ways that I can't explain. Al Ewing did. Say, okay, so I'm going to take this absolutely ridiculous currency from a mobile game and make it the fundamental building block of the Marvel Universe, right? (laughs) 
Only Al Ewing. Only Al Ewing. Uh, None of the stories we're talking about on today's episode were written by Al Ewing. uh, Not even a little bit. Who was it that requested that we talk about Galactus of all characters? Uh, Well, the person who asked us to talk about uh, the Devourer of Worlds, uh, the Lifebringer, uh, it's Jerry Laley. Uh, Jerry went on over to patreon.com slash comicsxf and said, Folks... I want you to talk about this very important X-Men character, Galactus. He's a large purple man, and Jack Kirby created him because, apocryphally, Stan Lee said, let's have him fight God. And then Jack Kirby said, okay. (laughs) Here's a guy with a big purple hat. (laughs) It's always interesting to see what Jack Kirby thinks of God and religion. It's also, we're recording this before uh, Super Bowl Sunday. Mm. Uh, it'll come out actually after Bowl, Super Bowl Sunday. So I do hope that Ohio uh, did itself proud and the Cincinnati Bengals uh, are Super Bowl champions. If not, I won't be that upset. I'm just from Ohio. I'm not a Bengals fan per se, uh, but I've got a lot of friends and family who are. So I'm rooting for them. I'm rooting for the Bengals as well. Uh, you know, if I can't have my Ravens in there, then... Might as well have. Oh my gosh, you're a Ravens fan? Hold on, you're a Ravens fan and you're saying, ah, yeah, the Bengals can win. That seems uh, weird. It's, it is, but it's it's not. I mean, you got to root for the Bengals. They, they they haven't won in so long. I mean. I'm not saying that people should <laughs> root for the Los Angeles Rams. I'm just saying that I don't think fans of other AFC North teams should root for the Bengals under any circumstance. I understand that. And there's probably people just like yelling at me, but I'm not like super into football anyway. You're from New Jersey. Don't you have two New York teams that play there? Yeah, but I, I went to college in uh, Baltimore when they started the Baltimore Ravens. And I oh. was there when they won their first Super Bowl too. So I have allegiance. <laughs> okay. I mean, that's fair. That's fair. The Baltimore Ravens didn't have any allegiance uh, when they up and moved from uh, Cleveland, so that's fine. (laughs) Uh, Speaking of uh, teams that move from place to place, our first story... (laughs) That was a great... (laughs) I'm so happy with that segue, Adam. (laughs) That's a great segue. Uh, We're going to talk about Exiles by... uh, uh, everybody's favorite real world cast member, Judd Winnick and Mike McCone. What story is this, Zach? This is Exiles 8 through 10. It's called A World Apart. Uh, like you said, Judd Winnick, Mike McCone. Um, this is this is the more or less the original Exiles team. You got Blink, you got Nocturne, you got Mimic, you got Morph, you got Thunderbird, uh, the Herald of Apocalypse or whatever, and then you also have Sunfire. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the Mariko Yoshida version of Sunfire. Um, and uh, we spend our first couple pages here recapping some really fun, different adventures that are not depicted as full-length stories. So we get like Caveman Exiles, Secret Service Exiles. Uh, there's one with Antelope Men, which is a little disturbing. <laughs> Every, everyone knows that standard trope of antelope men. I guess. Uh, but this arc is all about landing on a planet where the scrolls invaded basically before the Industrial Revolution. So uh, we have this alternate present. And uh, unfortunately, superheroes are not uh, well regarded 
uh, the scrolls obviously don't want superheroes to to fight them. So what they do yeah. is they set up gladiatorial combat for them to kick each other's butts. And most Adam, of the exiles Adam, given are stuck our past in this. experience with the scroll empire. Yes. Does this does this surprise you? Not at all. Not at all. In fact, Whatever this is... happened to those scroll versions of us that we locked in a closet <laughs> and said we weren't allowed to do this bit again? <laughs> the ones where we used the voice filter and got a nasty. No, the ones review. where that's what scrolls sound like, and there was no <laughs> editing involved. I don't remember. I think we've... the ones that got some of the worst and most deserved bad iTunes reviews we've ever gotten. <laughs> uh this Sometimes is bits get away from us folks we're sorry yeah no voice filters on this episode um this is a pretty dang smart plan from the scrolls um of course you know while the scrolls are here it's great but then galactus shows up and the scrolls abandon this earth and it's up to the remaining superheroes who um you know are in various different kinds of recognizability and the exiles to basically fist fight Tarex and Galactus to death. That yeah, sound that's, right? that's three issues of a comic book right there. <laughs> um, it's so here's my biggest problem. A lot of people like the exiles. I'm not as, not as hot on the exiles. In fact, I would say the best version of the exiles are the uh, exiles from the unauthorized podcast exiled uh, run by friend of the show, Luke air uh which is great go check it out it's all complete they just did a christmas special go go listen to exiled it's some of my favorite podcast stuff um but this is led by the worst this arc is led by the worst member of the exiles and that is mimic who is just he's just like a piece of white bread (laughs) he's he's the He's the gladiator you're supposed to root for, like Russell Crowe style, and it it doesn't really work. The thing about Russell Crowe in the movie Gladiator is that Russell Crowe had charisma <laughs> and likability and wasn't this dude. Well, this mimic just basically like tells the scrolls to, to go screw and kills Captain America. Um, <laughs> this <mimic> sucks. <laughs> he's been hiding the fact that he has Cyclops eye blasts and reveals it only to, uh, you know, break Captain America into a wall to his death. Uh, so yeah, I mean, if that's your like hero moment, it's not a high point of the story. It's not, um, there's not really a high point to this. It's a bad comic. And like, he's like, I'm just exiles bores me because i don't feel the stakes of anything they're doing there's you know i guess personal development with these characters and their individual character growth but i don't like most of these characters so i'm not that invested in it it's tough because all these characters are kind of just sad and mopey um and really not happy with their circumstances which is completely understandable so where the fun that's to be had in this story is that it's an alternate universe story and then the question is well how did these characters get to be them if they're not like early on in this three issue arc you see the thing and you're like wait well how did he become the thing if the Fantastic Four never got into space and they do like a Winnick does a clever thing where it turns out that like they stole one of the scrolls ships and tried to escape and find help. And okay. That's how but, they got but, it. but if you have it, if you have an inflection point, 
in that mm-hmm. inflection point in an alternate reality time travel whatever type of story is that the scrolls invaded before the industrial revolution well then i don't particularly by that 200 or 150 some years later all of the people are kind of the same that yeah and well and that's the why wild it's wonky. circumstances in their life have all been the same <laughs> no you you start from you start from that inflection point and you build out from there that's yeah. how you like that's how you write this in a logically cohesive way um well, and that, and to that point, and what I was saying is that if if that's where the fun is, there's not a lot of it because, just like you were saying, Zach, the differences and the explanations for how these characters got to their current point, at least in this arc, not that exciting, not that fun, you know. Not least of which is that how they beat Terex and Galactus is basically like a fist fight, and. Um, Galactus famously famously weak to being punched. <laughs> uh, though you would think what, people would what, stop doing that, but freaking Fantastic Four life story from this year also had Galactus beat by getting punched, and that was bad too. Mark Russell yeah. should know better. Yeah. Um, so you know we've got Reed Richards here, we've got Mole Man here. Uh, you know. Mike McCone is doing a pretty good job of the art. Um, not the covers. Though, yeah, the covers are kind of kind of not great. Um, they're all like no line work and all digital fills, and it's it's not great. Um, so it looks this like arc- a bad version of the alt- or the. Uh, it looks like a bad version of. It looks like a bad version of the original Ultimate Comics designs. Yeah, well, and that's the that's the page layout of the uh, of the cover. So they're definitely trying to get into that market. Um, uh, it was and hot, as, I get it. When we get to the end of this arc, Thunderbird has sacrificed himself to um, blow up Galactus, and immediately he's and like you said, low stakes. He's mourned for about thirty seconds. Before an alternate universe version of uh, uh, who is it? It's Sasquatch, but it's Sasquatch. Yes, shows up and then they go off on their next adventure. So, um, you know, the the traumas keep on piling on for this team, but this story not that exciting. Maybe we should rank this on our big old list. Yeah, because here's the thing about this podcast. Here's the bit: is that we have a big list. Um, we're past uh actually no we are on the road to 600 actually no we're not we're on the road to 700 now but 700 is going to be a while away we just we just passed mile marker 600 (laughs) uh is really where we're at on this road and we're ranking all the x-men stories from best to worst like the best x-men story house of x powers of 10 or the hundredth best x-men story uh everything is sinister from uncanny x-men uh from uncanny x-men number one you know it uh, the 200th is that gold ball issue from Uncanny X-Men, the Bendis run. The 300th best X-Men story of all time is Nation X from Uncanny X-Men. The 400th best X-Men story of all time is the New Mutant Summer Special from 1990, which, frankly, we've said it before and we'll say it again. Probably we messed up when we ranked that one. It was my fault. I'll take the full blame on that. There's a lot of things on this list that... Five years in, I think, I think we I think we could have done better. But 
<laughs> neither here nor now there uh the 500th story on the list is gen 13 gen x the one that has art adam's art and then the draco is our number 600 adam how do you feel about this comic book here i think we're definitely in the 400s here um because this just i don't know man this is not it's just boring right yeah i mean it's fine i just i wish it was doing so much more um and it it, it is a little bit of a letdown here so well Here's here's where I'm looking. At 473 is Exiles number 100. And I think this is better than that. I would agree. Uh, I believe that is um, the Chris Claremont. Yeah, it's the end of George. Exiles, enter, entry into the new Exiles. Yeah, but it's... I, I don't think it's that much higher here. I mean, I'm looking around. Okay. Uh, a couple slots up from there is Exiled. Is this better than Exiled? No, I like Exiled more. I know you don't love Exiled. I have a soft spot for Exiled. That's fine. Uh, so um, we know it's in between there. We, there's not a lot of other uh, stuff here. There's, there is, there is. Uh, here's where I'm thinking. Mm. We got a spot right here that's X Men one through four, the Age of Apocalypse stuff, which I think is better. Than I this. like that better. Yeah. Yeah think this is probably better than x-men the search for cyclops a book that's incredibly boring even though when you think <laughs> about it you're like oh this could be good and then it's just a slog to read it's just not i think that's so, a good spot for it so let's make this our new 471 that sounds great all right so exiles a world apart okay judd do better next time i don't know what to tell you, buddy. <laughs> not, not the best arc of the story but uh lest we think that's the only encounter the uh, X characters have had with Galactus. Um, we're going to go on to something a little more recent now, right? Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna transition into one of the one of the vestiges of the seventh cosmos. Uh, it it died at the rest same time as the rest of the seventh cosmos uh, when when uh, the secret wars happened uh, when all the incursions and it blew up the world we're talking about the ultimate comics um, and specifically Adam we're gonna jump back for a second here okay you know like 1994 I do I remember that do you remember when Todd McFarlane was like hey if I'm gonna hire someone to write the things I draw, I might as well hire all of the best people. And then he got like Neil Gaiman to write Spawn. Yeah. And then tossed it off to Alan Moore and Greg Capullo. <laughs> like, yeah, not and then, bad. The thing is, the thing is that the image people at the time were very progressive about creators' rights and treating people equally, except for they weren't uh, they were really they were really good about treating themselves equally. Uh, imagine, imagine Neil Gaiman and the image people ever getting into some sort of kerfuffle about the rights of these characters that were supposed to be owned by their creators, whom Neil Gaiman was one of. <laughs> that, that doesn't sound like a recipe for a court case or anything, does it? It really doesn't sound like it would tie into the rights for Marvel Man or Miracle Man, which ties back to Shazam, which ties back to so many things, really. <laughs> uh, but long story short, when Brian Michael Bendis did The Age of Ultron, yes, 
he had two big things happen at the end of that very bad comic that technically, like, Wolverine's the main character of that, so we might... If someone told us to, we would have to rank Age of Ultron. Yeah, Which is basically bad just comic. another House of M. You know what I mean? Like It's like four Houses of M. It's pretty it's much... It's like Neighborhood s- of M. Yeah. It's... Right. That's when... That's the point when I think everyone kind of realized O'Brien's oh, running out of ideas. <laughs> Brian, Brian, Brian may have running on empty. Brian may have done everything he wanted to do at the Marvel Marvel facility. Uh, no, he did two big things. One, he took Neil Gaiman's Todd McFarlane's Angela from Spawn and mm-hmm. brought her into the Marvel universe. Right, because time broke. Yes, that's Again, the important thing. Um, but also, uh, he sent Gallon of Ta, Galactus, into the Ultimate Universe, and there was quite a cataclysm there. And yes. that's where we come in with Cataclysm Ultimate X-Men. Uh, it is written by Joshua Hale Falkov, and Vero Martinez Bueno uh, is uh, doing those pencils. Uh, which, by the way, if you haven't read... Uh, Averro's uh, Nice House on the Lake with James Tinney and the Fourth. It's a comic that rules. It's a comic that dares to ask, what if your friend had a nice house on the lake? <laughs> but it's also a horror book, right? Oh, it's absolutely a horror book. <laughs> yes, but I, I cannot emphasize enough that the book is about what if your friend had a nice house on the lake and you and all your friends <laughs> went there. So Cataclysm is basically Galactus comes to the ultimate universe Earth. Um, but this is also, this X-Men mini is also coming on the tail of the World War X storyline, which we have World talked War about. World War X. Yeah. Um, so New Teon, or Teon, is it Teon or New Teon? I think this one's regular Teon. This is just regular Teon. Uh, I'm, yeah, I'm just yeah, cause... checking because New Teon was part of... Um, New, New Teon is California. When right. the X-Men taken over because they were Nazi collaborators. Yeah. no Bad no time reason. for everyone involved. Yeah. Still not sure why that was new Teon if Teon was Because the there was universe. a Teon in the Astonishing X-Men run uh... that uh, Warren Ellis and uh, Simone Bianchi did, I believe. Okay. Uh, Ghost Foxes. Oh, okay. All right. Also anyway, a bad story, actually. So this is the Hickman Teon uh, from Ultimate Hawkeye that then yes. went into World War X. Ultimate Comics Hawkeye, excuse me. Yes, you. thank you. And uh, it's now floating in the ocean. It has fallen from the sky. And uh, the Ultimate X-Men, who consist of our good pal Jimmy Hudson. Uh, <laughs> oh, you're talking about, you're talking about uh, the, the new Venom, the poison? <laughs> yes uh no wait a minute is poison on the new savage avengers no no you're thinking of agent anti-venom oh that's the anti-venom okay but well poison... that's what what it what had happened is you remember how you, you remember peter parker's high school bully slash spider-man's biggest fan flash thompson <laughs> oh it's flash yeah oh yeah you know how flash thompson went to vietnam and lost his legs i don't what yeah flash Flash Thompson went to Vietnam. That's like classic Spider-Man. Oh. He got a war injury. How did he get his legs back? Through an experimental government program that bonded him with the Venom symbiote to make him (laughs) Agent Venom. (laughs) But then, then he was uh, Venom 
Agent Venom, the Guardian of the Galaxy, and then he was Venom Space Knight, and then a bunch of Venom stuff happened that I didn't really read, uh, and like two other people had Venom, and at the time I think, well actually at the time I think Matt Gargan the Scorpion was Venom, you know how Matt Gargan the Scorpion was Venom for a hot second and pretended to be Spider-Man on the Dark Adventures? I actually don't, that's wild. Oh yeah, uh, we're talking about, we're talking about, man. Guys, if you haven't noticed, Galactus isn't really an X-Men character, so we're just talking about the wildest Marvel <laughs> stuff. Uh, no, so Matt Gargan was Venom, and I okay. believe at the time, Eddie Brock became anti-Venom, which was the opposite Venom. Right. It was but an anti-symbiote thing. But now they've swapped. Well, what had happened is, yeah, what had happened is before Flash Thompson died in the end of Dan Slott's time on Carnage, or on Spider-Man... Uh, you know, the storyline where the Green Goblin becomes the Red Goblin because he got the Car- Carnage symbiote? Yes. <laughs> okay, that one you know? <laughs> no, just vaguely. I don't know any of this. I didn't read any of Dan Slott's Spider-Man. What do you think I'm Honestly, like? okay, here's the thing. Dan Slott's <laughs> Spider-Man goes on for too long. There's there's worthwhile stuff to read in Dan Slott's okay, Spider-Man. Okay. And I don't say that about a lot of Dan Slott comics. I'm still wrapping my head around the fact that every time I've seen Flash Thompson, he's had legs. I don't understand. Yeah, because of the Venom symbiote. I this is wild. Uh, but Jimmy has been lost. Anyway, in the anyway, wind. hold on, hold on, hold on. We're not done. We have to finish this so people know what we're talking about. Then Flash Thompson became uh, Agent Anti Venom there, and then he died, and then he came back, and now he's Agent Anti Venom, uh, which is just Agent Venom but in a color swapped suit, so it's white and black instead of black and white. Uh, he's on the new Savage Avengers uh, by David Peepos that has. Like just a weird cast. That's a weird book. Very strange cast. Weapon H is in it. Yep. Yep. Weapon H, very much an X-Men character and someone we should absolutely <laughs> talk about sometime. If we have That's to. That's the Hulkverine. Yes. Uh, Man, they had a series called Hulkverines, didn't they? Yep. That wasn't, that wasn't just a joke. You we did not imagine that. That happened. That was Jeez. real. <laughs> Guys, Marvel's a weird company. All I was trying to say was Jimmy Hudson the Venom is like still just somewhere in the 616 in the 8th yeah, Cosmos. Yeah, because Jimmy Hudson from the 7th Cosmos ended up in the 8th Cosmos after Secret Wars uh, and then bonded with a poison, which I think is like a more evil version of Venom's. I'm not clear. It was from Venom. It was Venomized. It, well, it was originally from Venomverse and then Venomized. Well, then Poison X and then Venomized. Too many Venom crossovers. Too much so Venom. Many ven- There's so much Venom in this comic book where Venom doesn't actually appear that we're talking <laughs> about. Jimmy Hudson's just Wolverine 2, Electric Boogaloo in this one. All right, so Jimmy, Rogue, Iceman, uh, Blackheath, Mach Blackheath, Doom. you know Sam Smithers, the plant man? Yes, and uh, A dude Storm. who I wrote a pitch for at one point. <laughs> Not that I want to be a writer, I just had the idea of what if what if Plant Man was cool? I like plants. I got two plants today. They're great. Ooh, we're getting uh, we're getting actual plants, not just reading books about plants. I have I got this new these two new ferns. <laughs> You're like they're they're your pets now. <laughs> they are. I listen. I also have pets, but look, I got oh, that's a, a nice one. Here. Yeah, it's a nice big one. And then I got another plant. They uh, they gonna get enough sunshine there, buddy? Yeah, I got this window right here. Perfect. That's They're indoor great. plants. They're ferns. They are fine. They can live with <laughs> just, like, good vibes mostly. Okay. Yes. So, 
This version of the X-Men is trying to find any survivors on Nution. They catch a glimpse of Galactus just in time to run into another group of mutants. Uh, Silence, Strong Guy, Amp. Um, I believe Pixie is here. She's important to this story. And a really fun version of Beak, who look, kind of looks like a multi-technicolor uh, dodo. He looks great. Yeah, Beak's great. We we all know how much I love Beak. Beak's yeah. a good character, actually. Uh, so you might expect that this combined team of mutants is going to fight Galactus. You would be wrong. What they find, what they fight, is the Galactus Swarm. That's the Galactus of the Ultimate Universe, which was nano machines. Because at a certain point in the mid two thousands, we decided that fun wasn't allowed. <laughs> These are like Matrix Sentinel looking creatures. Um, and, uh, you know, they basically get stuck in a cave with um, Rick Jones. Oh, yeah, that's the ultimate Captain Marvel. <laughs> who's toting around a, a cable gun. And um, then they basically have to fight off the swarm. And uh, unfortunately, to get out of the situation at the end of it, uh, Rogue has to absorb Pixie's powers right before she dies. So um, that that's pretty traumatic for Rogue, who's decided that no one's going to die after World War X. She's pretty um, pretty big on stressing this that no one is going to die, and yet they do. Um, weirdly. During this very short story, Rogue kind of like falls for the Rick Jones character and they kiss at some point. Seems like a bit of a stretch given the time period that they're together. And and given how fast these comics read, like this is a three issue miniseries, yes. but it reads like very snappy. Very snappy. Um, that being said, love the art. I think the art looks really great here. Um, yeah. But not a lot. Not a lot of uh, stuff is happening here. Jordy Belair's uh, colors are fantastic, but um, it, it's just okay. You know, there's it seems like a tie-in for purposes of a larger event, and nothing really happens here of import. It's the last Ultimate X-Men comic, which is... It's weird because, like, I have all of Ultimate X-Men. I have, hmm. I have to trade paperbacks, as one should. Not because I like it, but because we need to remember what was the most popular X-Men for a while. It is absolutely wild. If you look at where ultimate X-Men starts and where it ends, that is just a bonkers thing to think about what people like. Here's the thing. People know ultimate Spider-Man sure. was like the thing, right? People talk about Grant Morrison's new X-Men, which was running concurrently with ultimate X-Men. Mm -hmm. What they don't talk about is that how ultimate X-Men was killing New X-Men in sales. Yeah, it was extremely like, popular. That was the X-Men book. Sure. All the Ultimate stuff was pretty hot when it came out. So uh, by the and time Ultimate we got around to... But, yeah, but by the time we get to this, nobody's paying attention to the Ultimate Universe. It's in its death throes. And uh, despite looking nice, not a lot happening here story-wise. We should rank this, huh? Yeah. Um, here's what I'm thinking, Adam. I like this better than the Exile story. I do too. I don't like... I don't like it better than an oddly similar story, uh, number 428 on our list. Uh, that time Galactus uh, decided to have a new Herald, and his Herald was Dazzler. <laughs> that is definitely uh, 
a similar story and quality, but uh, a little more fun just for the actual fact that Galactus is in it and that Dazzler <laughs> is the, uh, the Herald. So I do think we're in the right spot. We're, we're definitely in the 400s to maybe the 450s. Like at 450, well, think... we have um, what if Cable killed X-Men and Magneto took over the U.S.? I, I think this, this is this is better than this that. is better than that yeah this is better than that this is better than curse of the mutants uh i think this is better than wolverine and jubilee but probably not as good as firestar one through four i would agree i mean i love those characters but wolverine jubilee is not that great that's probably very similar in quality to this and also not a lot happens whereas i have a fondness for the firestar mini series even though not a lot happens in that either so this is going to yeah. be what our new 438 this will be our new 438 cataclysm ultimate x-men all right so we are going to stay in the seventh cosmos uh for this last one nope adam this one's in the eighth is it you oh yeah cosmos no right. you're right it is it is because this is during the um x-men blue x-men gold era but this is this is during the last issue of secret empire is where this is during that's absolutely weird incredibly not yeah um so there were a series of uh one shots that were put out and uh these are called generations And, and in these stories we had legacy characters meeting their uh current counterparts so you'd have uh like kate bishop going back in time and meeting with uh clint in a in a flashback very historically kate bishop and clint barton don't really have a lot of interaction so this was a very special time (laughs) well it wasn't the present day clint it was it was past clint uh yeah it was the clint everyone hates right right uh sorry the two Clint Barton fans from like the eighties or whatever who really love West Coast Avengers. <laughs> you picked up a bad book from the supermarket when you were eight, and you've never let it go. I don't know. It's what to okay. Laura Kinney went back and hung out with uh, Wolverine of Yore, and Jean Grey got a chance to meet uh, her pre-Dark Phoenix saga, but still the Phoenix counterpart. Did you get that yeah, right? this is. Yeah, this is the time when the X-Men had died, or she had thought they died in Antarctica and said they were screwed around in the Savage Land for, like, a year. Yeah. Uh, so Jean Grey goes to, like, the beaches of Greece and just, like, vibes. Yeah. Uh, she, she gets turned into a mermaid at one point. <laughs> have uh, we talked about... Have we ranked the Bizarre Adventure stories? We've never talked about the mermaid story now. Man, y'all... No. Bizarre Adventures 27. We've got to talk about that on the show sometime. Yeah, I don't think we've that ever ranked weird. that one. That's good. Well, we've not ranked that one. We've not ranked the Nightcrawler story. We've not ranked the, the Iceman story. The Bizarre yeah. Iceman story. We didn't talk about that, but that was reprinted in Uncanny 600, but we didn't talk about it. Wild it's, it's choices thing. that they made. They could have just like trimmed $2 <laughs> off of that book. Uh, but Generations, Jean Grey, uh, a.k.a. The Vanishing Point? Is that what this story is called? I don't know. Uh, written by Colin Bunn and uh, penciled by R.B. Silva, inked by Adriano De Benedetto and R.B. Silva. And uh, this is fun. I like this. Yeah, let's talk about let's talk about a couple things here. One, let's talk about R.B. Silva. Yeah, fantastic. Love R.B. Silva <laughs> so much. 
Yeah, it's a dang shame he's stuck on freaking Fantastic Four. I hate it. No, 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 no. He's done with Fantastic Four now. Arby Silva is now doing, uh, or is going to be doing the new Captain America book, I believe. Not cool. I don't like it. Bring him back to Krakoa. Listen, listen, listen. The 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 current X Men line kind of has a lot of the best artists at Marvel. I know. They have to, Just they, keep them they coming. They can only put. Okay, who don't they? I guess actually both of the Captain America artists are Carmen Carnero and R.B. Silva, who the X-Line had to give up. <laughs> we're, just, we're just giving away everybody, huh? Uh, this is R.B. Silva on the tail end of a an arc in X-Men Gold um, that involved Gambit. And I think around that time, we were kind of looking at R.B.'s stuff and going, okay, okay, we're emulating some Eminem here. I get it. But it was getting it was it was like moving in the right direction. Yes. I think this is the I think this is the issue where I understood him as more than just like in the school of Stuart Eminem. Right. And I saw, oh, he can like elevate himself. Absolutely. And I think it I think it really did take until Powers of X for him to like explode. Mm-hmm. I don't know how much of that honestly, I don't know how much of that was him getting more comfortable with his style of line work. I don't know how much of that was inking, and I don't know how much of that was uh, changing the ways that he was colored. But uh, now Silver freaking, like, rips. <laughs> this is really a, a good example of that transition. And uh, I, I also have to say, just, I mean, we'll talk a little bit more about the visuals, but I love Teen Jean. Like, I miss this character. Uh, People gave her such a hard time. I know. Because she was an insensitive teenager. And one, Jean Grey's not known for her sensitivity. And two, teenagers suck. It was a great character. <laughs> she was so fascinating. Yeah. I loved... They had to be like, Jean, 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 you can't mind control people <laughs> just to get your way. Please let Warren have his self-sufficiency back yeah like that was textual the moment she got uh her telepathy in that run they knew what they were doing absolutely and say what you will about the uh the blue gold era which you know is not great i'll, um, I'll say largely bad yeah still has uh this amazing um who who designed uh the, the X-Men i believe jamie costumes? mckelvey did the thank design. you mckelvey uh, you know, with the short hair and the jacket. And this is the Jean Grey that is showing up on this beach uh, to team up with Jean Grey, who, you know, in learning that this younger version of herself, who's from the future, from the past, who knows, uh, really wants to Both, get, oddly enough. Yeah, wants to get a handle on what the Phoenix is all about, decides, hey, let's go into space and let's go punch Galactus. And it's yeah, great. It's, so at the time, not in Cullen Bunn's book, Blue, uh, but in his friend Dennis Hopeless's book, uh, Jean Grey, Jean was dealing with like the idea of the Phoenix coming for her right. and what that was going to mean. In fact, dealing with the ghost of Jean Grey at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, kind and of following her around. Yeah, what did it end up? The ghost of er, older Jean Grey. The ghost of the Jean Grey that Magneto gave a stroke to? Yes. <laughs> that Jean Grey uh, and this Jean Grey are hanging out. And this Jean Grey is like, wait, if I tell older the Phoenix version of me that she's going to eat some broccoli people and that's not going to be popular, 
what'll that do? Is that, like, the right thing to do? And she has to reckon with that, which is, it plays up on pretty much every, like, plot direction that this teen version of Jean has had, whether, you know, what do we do about the future? Can we change it? Is our direction set in stone? Am I cursed to die twice? Mm -hmm. Like, that's that's a lot yeah. that Bun is getting right. And Bun is, I'd say, his X-Men works largely uneven. But this is one of the good ones here. This is one where I think he's firing on all cylinders. Yeah, this ties directly into what Hopeless was trying to do with the character. And uh, unfortunately, I think, got kind of derailed by the uh, the necessity of where they wanted to go by bringing her back in Phoenix Resurrection. Um, but we've talked about that on another episode. Here, it's really just a really fun team-up. Because Galactus is about to chow down on these little gummy bear people. And uh, Phoenix is like, hey man, I'm going to go Phoenix mode and beat you up. <laughs> it's, it's good you get the life bringer uh you know all of fire and life incarnate against uh, the devourer of worlds mm -hmm. yeah and which uh, is great and, and then you also get you all, yeah go ahead you also get teen jean going into her power pink mode and giving galactus a big old double page punch spread double page spread punch and it it's just it's a satisfying read it, it is. really is it is uh and and you know back to silva like when you get these moments like that two-page spread of teen gene like it's smacking galactus upside the back of the head it, it's just really really fun um and and you can tell he's leveling up it, it's fantastic so um i enjoy this story quite a bit and uh it's it's really cool so if you missed this one because you we're like, eh, what is this event? This is silly. Um, some of those one-shots are fun. I, I remember enjoying some of them. This one is a standout, uh, especially if you are tracking what was going on with RB as he evolved into the artist that we know and love today. So uh, I think this is going to rank higher than our other two stories. What do you think? Yeah, I'm thinking this one... Let's see. Let's see. Hold on. Number 300 on the list right now. What do we say? Nation X. This is better than Nation X. I would agree. Yeah. Um, it's probably not better than that Gold Balls issue of Uncanny in the Bendis era, but we're we're around the right spot. Yeah. Gold Balls is all the way up at what? 200? 200. That's our 200. That's yeah. Our 200. All right. So... This is better than Uncanny X-Men Disassembled at 257. And I... <sighs> Let's see, 250 is Uncanny X-Men 195. It was a dark and stormy night. I don't think this is that good. It's not. Um, how do you feel about it compared to... Okay, I'm just... I'm going to just say it because I know you're going where you're going to be is this isn't as good as Brood Trouble and the Big Easy, right? Like, this is a fun but fairly inconsequential and, like, it it's a weird tie in one shot thing, and there's only so much you can do with that. <laughs> no, it, I don't think it's as good as Brood Trouble, um, but I do think it's better than, despite the Art Adams art, uh, Ultimate X. So, well, then let's make it our new 255. That's a great spot for it. I love it. And you know what, Adam? I love doing this podcast with you, and we did Aww. another episode. Oh man, we did another one. And I didn't even talk about uh, Galactus's hot mom as much as I did the first time we recorded this episode. <laughs> <laughs> I thought we were going to mention that, but I guess we'll mention That's the at fact. the end. It's fine. The, the, the mirror has already been cracked. Uh, 
folks, thank you for joining us. Uh, this was fun. I want to thank Jerry Laley uh, again for supporting us on Patreon. Uh, it supports everything that happens uh, over the big old world of Comics XF. A uh, bunch of podcasts, a bunch of fun stuff. Go check out uh, everything that our friends over there are doing. Adam, what do you got going on? Um, let's see. I, I've been teaming up with Austin Gorton to do Boba Fett, Book of Boba Fett uh stuff over on comics xf which has been fun hey i'm gonna say something that i think might be a spoiler so people people um if if you care about spoilers for this show that i honestly don't think could be spoiled in reality don't uh I mean, like skip to the end of the episode it's fine hey adam is that a show where boba fett rides a rancor sure is. <laughs> Are you... does baby yoda stop the rancor uh, baby yes. yoda from being ba- yes it's great um, it sounds terrible. It is both uh, terrible and an absolute delight. So um, I will not be watching it. Oh, it's uh, just it's perfect throw on in the background like silliness. I enjoyed it quite a bit. So anyway, we've been writing about it. Uh, we will have some finale coverage coming out this week. Um, and uh, before we wrap up, I just want to thank everybody for uh, bearing with us. We know we missed last week. But as Zach alluded to, uh, we recorded this episode directly after we um, interviewed Steve Orlando. And I promptly, uh, after editing the Orlando episode, threw my audio away and deleted it. Then then I was gone in Las Vegas for a week for a work (laughs) thing. And then my life has been miserable for a different unrelated work thing. Yes. To the point where I have not actually had time to record. Like, I've not had an hour-long stretch of personal time to record this podcast so uh, we, uh but hey, we want to thank here's what i'm gonna say we did 235 weeks straight <laughs> give us one give us the one yeah so how, uh, many, how many podcasts can say 235 we made it we made it like five bad. dang years it's not bad so uh i'll try not to throw my audio away in the future and uh Zach, we if you got, throw your audio away again, no one's going to hear this. That's so true fine. that's true we have a really fun episode planned for next week what are we doing zach Oh, we're talking about Garrison Kane. You know, Weapon <laughs> X. That wasn't the suggestion. There were, there was a suggestion, and then there was something that we said, oh, that would go get, great with the suggestion, and then we found the beautiful synergy that Garrison Kane is involved in both. That's so great. we found a third weird Garrison Kane story. Oh, he's, he's garbage. Oh, y'all, Adam, we've gone... We've got a weird podcast. That we Listen, do. that sounds obscure, but you're going to definitely want to tune in because it's... You will know two out of three of these <laughs> stories really well. You really it's will. So thing. you don't want to miss it. Oh, and until then, folks, this has been Val the Adam, and we hope you survived the experience. Get it!